Are you thankful this morning? We're in a new series. Today is the first part of a message called Same Spirit. I was in prayer and I just heard this. Heard it down here in the still small voice, down in my gut. Proverbs 20:27 says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. And when you, when you hear, when you learn to hear the voice of the Lord speak to you, it's not an external audible voice, but it's what Elijah the prophet in 1 Kings 19 calls the still small voice of the Lord. There was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. There was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. There was a wind, but the Lord was not in the wind. The voice of the Lord was not in those things. He said, but the still small voice. Too often, we are so distracted by the, the cacophony it's all of those honking geese of our circumstances, demanding your time and deadlines that we have to intentionally pull away to listen for the still, small voice of the Lord because the Holy Spirit won't shout at you. Matter of fact, he's talking to you right now. Do you, are you listening? Do you, do you have your receiver turned on and tuned in? Because when you got born again, you had a receiver already when you were born naturally. But your receiver never had been activated. It had never been, you hadn't called in to the, the, the home office in heaven and gotten your service activated so you could receive signals. But since you've been born again, that, that dead receiver now is alive. But too often folk have a, a receiver that's turned on, but it isn't tuned in. This is totally different from what I did in the first, series, first message. And that's okay. What if we go a different direction? That's fine. There are millions of signals coming to this room right now. There are AM and FM and XM radio and cell signals and shortwave radio signals. There's a Wi-Fi. We have three or four Wi-Fi systems in the church building, one dedicated to the sound. You can't connect to it because you don't have a receiver for it. It's for the people on the platform. They're the ones that have got the receiver that's turned on and tuned in. Do you have your receiver turned on and tuned in to the signal from heaven? Can you pick up heaven's Wi-Fi? Can you hear the voice of the Lord? And that happens when you get the same spirit in you that raised Jesus from the dead. Now, that will blow our little pea brain size, our pea size brain minds, whatever. You know what I mean. Everybody say resurrection connection. Point number one, same spirit. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives, say it with me, those words I've emboldened, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. I believe that the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be infectious. It's supposed to be contagious. It's supposed to be filled with the germ of God. You've been marked with the DNA of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. What birthed you can't die. What touched you in your spiritual deadness can't fail. That's the DNA of God, the word of God that lives and abides forever. And the same DNA that was in Jesus, the same spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead now is residing as a believer. If you know Jesus, if you know Jesus, say, I do. do. 
for every believer in this room, the Spirit of God is living on the inside of you. I just believe that when we come together, it ought to be a a release of something that's life-giving. If you're a guest this morning, let me just say this. I don't, I don't know where you might go to church somewhere else. And there are wonderful churches in this city. And we are truly honored that you would come and be our guest this morning in our worship service. We hope you will come back. I love and I partner with some great friends in the community that pastor living, thriving churches where the gospel is being declared every Sunday. But there are churches in our community that you can get everything but the gospel. You can get a philosophical lesson, you can get a little pop psychology, you can get a little personal motivation, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but the gospel should be the center and the driving engine in the church, which is the car that's taken us somewhere. It'll be life-giving. And there are other places you can go to and you feel like you literally have been beaten because the pastor is an abuser, he's a wife-beater, he's beating the bride of Christ. And when you leave victory, you will never feel like you've been beaten up because there's not a wife beater on any of our preaching team. We don't, we don't allow wife beating here. Come on. You ought to put your hands together and give the Lord praise. And what I mean when I say that is there's some places that you, you've been raised in a religious, uh, religiosity, a kind of a pharisaical system and a spirit comes with it. And unless you feel like you've been dangled over the flames of hell, you feel like you haven't been to church. Hell is hot, sin is black, but, but God is good and Jesus saves. And so much of the time, so much of the time, they just hit that one thing over and over and over and over. Oh, you're a sinner. Well, you know, Adam was the first one and he just plunged us all in. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But hang on, have we forgotten that Jesus came and pulled us up out of that? And you're not the same old dude, the same old sinner with a second chance. You're a whole new kind of creation in Christ Jesus. And too often, pastors who are well-meaning, they do love the Lord, but they just they, they preach the same sermon just kind of cooked up with a little slightly different spice every Sunday morning. It's kind of John 3.16 warmed over all the time. And the, the saints are not growing because they've never learned how to identify who they are now. They're constantly reminded of who they used to be. I'm preaching right now. Come on, help, help me. One thing, one thing. The message of the resurrection, say it with me, come on. The message of the resurrection is larger than Jesus winning for us. And that's so good because he beat the devil. He broke the curse of sin and death. He took it to the grave and buried it and got up without it. But the resurrection is larger than Jesus winning for us. Now, say it, here we go. The same spirit that raised him from the dead is where? Dwelling in us. Come on. Not a lesser Holy Ghost, not a junior Holy Ghost, not a lighter version of the Holy Ghost. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, we meant, you know, hey, listen to me, men and brethren, faithful Israelites. He said, you who crucified the Lord of glory, God has loosed from him the bands of death because death could not hold him. And, and, and the story of this three-day, the bookends of Christianity, this, this three-day event that's the hinge point of history that everything that we believe hangs on, everything about the kingdom of God, everything in the history of man, everything in the linear progression from the Garden of Eden and Adam all the way through this linear progression all the way to the finish where the consummation of God's design and purpose is established in a fully realized kingdom of God in the earth. 
we have a spiritual kingdom right now that we're walking in. We're living by the law and by the, the lifestyle of another place, another kingdom, another people. And, and, and we need to regularly have our receiver turned on and tuned in so that we can hear that. The same spirit that raised him from the dead is dwelling in us. Now, this same spirit, think about this. this if you meditate on this, the, the implications of this are outrageous. If, if we really think about being carriers, if we think about being infected with the living seed of God that can't die, I think the problem in the Bible Belt South is in the same way that when you, before you entered the first grade, you, I had to get vaccinated. There were vaccinations that I got as a child for pertussis and whooping cough and blah, 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 this and that. And, and then measles and rubella and all these other things. And now people have quit doing that and they're having outbreaks all over the place. You know, when they, when they vaccinate you, they take a dead germ of a living virus and they inject that dead germ into your body so that when you come in contact with the living thing, you ward it off. I'm about to say something profound. Listen, look at your neighbor and say, he, listen to what he's going to say. Tell him right now. Tell your neighbor. Religious churchianity vaccinates people with a dead germ, not of Christianity, but of churchianity, so that when you come in contact with the life-giving force of true following Jesus, having a real relationship, real Bible Christianity, you ward it off and go, oh, that's radical. That's, no, I'm, I don't want anything to do with that. And some folk finally have to wake up and go, you know what, I, I got vaccinated the wrong way. I got to go back to square one and I, I got to get me some of this Holy Spirit in my life. The same Jesus, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of us. He is the residing one. Now in this three-part series, I want to teach you how the residing one can become the, residing, the presiding one. The resident can become the president of our lives. Because that's the difference in defeat and victory. Point number one, I want to say this this morning. It's the end of the old and the beginning of the new. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 17 says, He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. So there was in the mindset of the Israelite this dichotomy. The chosen people and the ethnos. The dogs of the other nations. We're God's elect, we're his favorite, and all of you rest, all the rest of you are just a bunch of sorry losers. That was not God's intention for this national group of people to get that kind of an attitude. And it changed in Exodus 19, after the Lord, through the covenant head Moses, the deliverer, had marched into Egypt and delivered them out of Egypt by the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, by the water of baptism as they marched through the Red Sea on dry ground, and then by the baptism into Moses in the cloud, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So the same things now that save us spiritually, say it with me, blood, water, and spirit are the same things that delivered them naturally. It was the natural blood of a real literal sheep. It was traveling through that Red Sea that saved them. They thought they were going to die because right on their heel was... Here comes Pharaoh and his horses and chariots. And they're going, Oh, my Lord, God, help me. We should have stayed in Egypt. They're going to kill us, Moses. And Moses raises the rod and says, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And the last little granny 
the last little decrepit 88-year-old little granny and her little little miniature Yorkie Terrier. Those old yapping dogs, you know. If you have a little yapper, forgive me. I don't want to offend you. And if you've seen the Ten Commandments, you know what I'm talking about. The last little Yorkie Terrier made its way across the Red Sea. And as soon, God waited until all of those hosts of Egypt got to the middle of the dry riverbed and then he decided to slam the hinges shut on that what became the watery grave. And their enemies from the past were never seen again. And so that's the picture of baptism. When you cut off your past life and you're raised up out of that, you bury the old life as you go down and you come up in resurrection new life saying that now I'm a new creation in Christ and my old life is cut off. Come on, somebody. The old is gone. The new is come. Say that. Say it with me. The old is gone. The new is come. I love that. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17 in a newer translation. The, the King James said it this way. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The newer translations say it this way. He that is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I love that. Look at your neighbor and say, the old is gone. The new has come. Verse 18 says, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Everybody say, the same Holy Spirit. Now, the children of Israel were at Mount Sinai. They'd been delivered from Egypt by the blood. They'd come through the water of the Red Sea. They'd breathed in the spirit baptism of the cloud that protected them and air-conditioned them by day and became a pillar of fire by night. It was the first HVAC system in history that warmed them at night and cooled them in the daytime. And literally, God brought them to Mount Sinai where Moses was and God gave the two tablets of the law, the, ten, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, those, those not suggestions, but those ten divine words from God. And he comes down off the mountain and it's spewing smoke and lava and it's boom. It's, it's actually a July 4th Independence Day celebration for them and they get scared. They don't walk in faith and they become terrified And basically the Lord said, I want you to be a kingdom of priests. I want you to be a whole nation, the whole nation to be a priesthood to all of the other nations of the earth. Israel was supposed to have the ministry of showing and demonstrating the life and the light of God to all of the other ethnos, all of the other nations of the world so that they would come into the kingdom of God. But something shifted in their thinking and they said, no, 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 we can't do it. And so God chose one tribe from the 12 tribes of Israel. And he says, Levi, you guys, your numbers come up in the lottery. He said, you're going to be the tribe. Well, if you were going to be a priest in Israel, you had to be born naturally into that specific tribe. And if you weren't born in the tribe of Levi, you weren't, you couldn't be a priest. And so it was about who you were born to. Well, guess what? That was a natural picture in the old Testament, but now in the new covenant, you must be born again And it's not about a natural birth tribe because all of you are in the tribe. Come on, you become part of the people of God. You're part of the family of God. Marvel not that I say you must be born again. Until a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And later he says, except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so you do that. Water water birth is the natural birth of your mom carrying you. That's the birth of the flesh. And then the spirit birth is when the Spirit of God who is out there comes on the inside here. And He, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, starts living on the inside of you. Come on, somebody. Say, same Spirit. I love it. 
there were, there were natural sacrifices. There was a natural priesthood. It was natural furniture in a tabernacle that all had a meaning. But now all of this is spiritual. It's all fulfilled in Christ. We, we don't go to a specific place in Jerusalem for a temple. Because actually when the real temple showed up and his name is Jesus, the real house of God is Jesus in the flesh. And when he showed up in his lifetime, when he hung on the cross and he said, it is finished. He literally was declaring that this is the end of the old system, the old sacrificial system where multitudes of bulls and goats and rams and sheep and doves had been slain regularly to to atone for the sins of the children of Israel. And it literally says in the book of Hebrews that none of those actually did anything with the sin. It just rolled over the payment to become a great and a bigger promissory note, the debt that was owed until the once and for all sacrifice by the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world was given at the cross of Calvary. Everybody say Jesus. So when he hung on the cross, I want you to recognize the scope of Tetelestai. The scope of tetelestai, his last words were, it is finished. That's in the Greek right there, tetelestai. It is paid in full. What you sent me to do, the mission has been accomplished. What, what, I, was, what I was assigned to do, I have, I, I have been able to fill it full. The law and all of its demands have been filled full. It's been fulfilled. And I said it that way on purpose. To say it's fulfilled means the requirements have been filled full. And Jesus sets it aside And the accusation that is against us with all of the writs of the law, he takes to the grave and buries it and he gets up without it now. And so now when you you come to God and the Holy Spirit comes into you, you don't need an external law making demands on you because now the law of God has been written on the tablets of your heart. Come on, somebody. And so what I want you to see is everything that was in the natural now has been done away with because it's completely fulfilled in the spirit. Uh, I, that's the reason I don't get a lot of the eschatology of a lot of preachers these days who are talking about the purpose of God can't be fulfilled until a temple gets rebuilt. And I'm going, you know what? The temple that Jesus showed up went, was the rebuilt temple. That was Herod's temple was the rebuilt temple because they'd lost the temple of Solomon. And the fact that they say that, you know, this whole thing concerning the kingdom of God won't show up until they get that going back over there and they start reinstituting sacrifices. Why would God allow the reinstitution of something that never worked in the first place when he's already sent the answer that took away the sin of the world 2,000 years ago? Some of you wonder why I don't do a lot of eschatological preaching, end times preaching, is because so much of that stuff is bunk. They've predicted a thousand times when the rapture was going to happen and they've been wrong every time. And the church has a stinking black eye on it because people are still setting dates and the Bible says no man knows the hour or the day. And and I sit here and I watch Christian television sometimes and I just want to go, really? Are you serious? You're you're pretending like you're an expert in the Bible, but there's a verse you hadn't read. No, man, you you predict a day, I guarantee you, he won't come that day. Are you all okay with me this morning? Like I said, none of this was in the first message. Second point, let me move quickly. We need to learn to rightly relate to the resurrected Christ because most Christians, especially in America, relate to a historical Jesus. Three and a half years of ministry, Jewish man, God man, Emmanuel, blind eyes open, dead were raised, you know, mute people spoke, deaf ears unstopped. 
paralyzed people walked. I mean, on and on and on. Crazy, amazing ability to touch hearts and change lives. Not in high-minded, hyper-intellectual, academic theology. And there's nothing wrong with theology. I'm a student of theology. I love it. But he, Jesus always broke it down. He's talking to fishermen and he preaches about fish and nets. He's talking to agricultural people and he preaches to the farmers. He talks about seed and sowing and planting and harvesting. And, 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 and he never talks over the heads of people. He talks to them because he loves them. And that's what I desperately want in my life is to be real and acknowledge who he is. You, you, you didn't come, it's not about me, but it's the fact that I'm here to point you to the one who can fix every problem you've got. And his name is Jesus. Come on. But he's not on the cross anymore. And I don't want to offend my Catholic friends. I think it's beautiful to, to recognize the corpus the body on the cross, but they took him down from that cross and they buried him in a grave and that tomb doesn't have a body in it. There's no carcass with bones laying there where there was decay because the tomb is empty. Now, let me just say this. I should have preached this last Sunday morning because the bottom line to the resurrection is this. If he really did get up out of that grave, that's the real question. If he really did get out of the grave, then why aren't you believing and taking his word for what he says about your life? And you know what? You know what he says about you? He doesn't say you're a low-down, dirty, no-good dog. He says, because of me, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. He says, because of what I did for you, you're no longer cursed by the curse of the law of sin and death, but I have the blessing of God and the favor of God on you. Because blessed are you in Christ. And if you're in me, if you belong to me, you've got blessing and favor on your life. Thank you for the 20 that believe what I'm preaching this morning. You've got to rightly relate to a resurrected Christ. We sing these songs on purpose. They didn't just accidentally happen. I told them weeks ago I'm going to preach a series called Same Spirit. Get me some songs that will help these people understand that. Because when you can sing it and then you can hear the word preached, you've got a witness. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. You've heard it. We've sung it. We've declared it. We've, we've gotten excited. And now there's a crazy man up here trying to stir you up in a new identity. Yeah, I'm crazy. I'm crazy about Jesus. And I'm crazy about a people that are alive in Christ. Hallelujah. All right, I'm just going to go as far as I can. I got to verse 9 in the last service. And then, uh, well, we took in 20 new members in the first service. So, praise God. All glory to God. There'll be others that are coming in, but they need to get baptized first before we receive them as official members. And so that'll be in the weeks that are coming. But look at this passage. Let's just let the word say what it says. Just think about this for a moment. Look at this. Matter of fact, I'm going to put this down and just read. Let's get this. There is, say it, for, is that you? Do you know people can point a, a fair cycle finger of accusation at you and you already have a shield of defense. All you've got, you don't even have to say it. You don't have to argue. You can just walk in confidence to know I belong to Jesus and there's no condemnation on my life. You know, until you came to Christ, your photo, your mugshot was on the post office of heaven said wanted. But you know what? You're not, you're, not at, you're not running at loose. You're not armed and, and deadly anymore. Because you're not armed and dead is the way I need to say it. You're, you're armed with faith, but you're alive in Christ now. Come on. Put the next verse up for me. 
And because you belong to him, look at this. Everybody say, because. You remember when you learned your, your grammar? That's an important thing. This, is, this, has a, this word has a, a place and a meaning. It is as a result of or in line with the fact, because of the fact that you belong to him. Oh, wow. Read this. Come on. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Now, there's a whole lot of churches you can go to this morning, Sunday morning, and are going to tell you you ain't nothing but a low-down, no-good sinner, and you're going to sin a little bit every day. And folk in that church never have been trained to identify with the new creation. They're always reminded about who they used to be, and they're never living in the power and the freedom of what Jesus died so you could have. Life-giving. I love that. Life-giving. We should be alive with the seed of God, the germ of God. We should have something inside of us that, whether, our, whether we're an introvert or an extrovert, I'm not trying to make you something you're not, but yet, even if you're quiet, there can be a joy that exudes out of your life. In the midst of difficulty, there can be a stability when everybody else is falling apart, but God's holding your life together because of who you trust. And it's not what you know. Some folk get upset because the world operates on, well, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. That's just how the system works. Well, let me let you in on a little secret. It's the exact same way in the kingdom of God. It's not what you know, but it's who you know. And his name is Jesus. Come on. You know, you're not going to work alone. It's not going to get you success. You have to learn how to network. And you need to connect yourself and network with other believers that are strong in areas that you're weak in. And, and, and get real and, and, and hang out at Peter's place and, and get imbibed with the new wine of the Holy Spirit and, and throw your arms around people you don't like and sing with them. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Come on, come on now. Don't, don't, don't point to who I'm talking about, but everybody in this room got somebody, at least one person you don't particularly care for. But that's, that's the way it is. That's the body of Christ. Sometimes it's those people that show me the most powerful working of the grace of God in my own life. Because I have to stop and think, you know, Lord, you loved me when I was a mess. God, thank you for giving me grace and helping me reach out and, and love these people in their difficulty. I don't just mean the struggle. Some people are just difficult. Present company excluded. Those were in the first service, okay? Not any of y'all. Y'all following me? I told you we keep it real at Victory. Life-giving. A church ought to be life-giving. You ought to leave this service injected with hope and filled with faith and the joy of the Lord brimming over the top of your gas tank in your car. But too many places folk leave beaten and down and discouraged. You know what? I'm not going to have that. We're not, there's nobody on the team that's a wife beater here at Victory. We're going we're gonna to inject you with some high-octane Holy Ghost faith and hope and peace and joy. Come on. Give me another verse. I've got just a couple minutes here. Look at this. Law of Moses was unable... Beautiful as the law was, it was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, say it, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Wow. Enough said. Don't have to elaborate or unpack that. God showed up and gave us Jesus, and he said, that old way of your living is over with. It's an end of the old and a beginning of the new. i got to rightly relate to this resurrected Christ. Get the next verse, verse 4. I love this. He did this so that, don't ever bypass those two little important words, 
So that is purpose. It's why. It's in order that. It's the reason why all this happened the way it did. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Everybody say, that's me. Come on. You, everybody, you've got a GPS in your car. You've got, you got a GPS. It's God-positioning system. He knows right where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows the next steps and the opportunities that are in front of you. And if you will get your mind on the navigator in the Holy Ghost, which is he's the one that's riding in the car with you, and you will listen and you will turn on and tune in and listen to the still small voice, you won't get way off track. You'll learn to be led by the Spirit of God. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. Verse 5. Y'all get anything out of this? Now, this, you know what, folks? This is not weird doctrine. This is the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stand on the Word of God. Finish it. The B-I-B-L-E. Wouldn't it be great if preachers preached out of the B-I-B-L-E? Just, just read the Word to you and let the Word say what it says. Let it, let it fall on us and impact us. Let it challenge us. Let it comfort us. Let it correct us. Let it humble us. Let it build us up. Let it strengthen us. Let it edify us. Let us inject faith in us. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, everybody say, think about. What, what, what you thinking about? Those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think, everybody say, think about. Think about things that please the Spirit. King James says it this way, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's religious, churchy sounding to me. I've got to unpack it where it sounds like that. I fight the same thought battles you fight. I've had thoughts of murder. Didn't think about it, but a second. But I, I thought, man, you know, some folk just deserve a good killing. Maybe that's too edgy for some of you. That was, that was kind of a ah, kind of laugh. I've had lust, lustful thoughts. Oh my God. Bertha, did you hear the preacher? He just said he had lustful thoughts. Do you, know, do you know why preachers fall? Because silly people put them on pedestals that they don't need to be on in the first place. I have two of my dear friends sitting over here from way back in the early 1980s. JT and Catherine Cardwell, Kate Cardwell. They were elders in the church in North Carolina where we were both trained in ministry. And um, JT was my best man at mine and Dawn's wedding. And when I, when I lost Dawn, I called him, I said, I need you. And they got on a plane and were here in a couple of days to stand with me and my family. And as, as did you, so many wonderful local friends. Why do I love to be able to tell you about these people? Because I think the validity of any person's true relationship with God and spirituality is that they have lasting, long-term friendships and relationships. Because relationships that last give opportunity for deeper questions. How how are you doing with this? You know, you've struggled with that. What's going on? And uh, these guys loved me when I was about 23 and just, I knew everything in the world and didn't, didn't even need to be there to be trained. Don't know why I was wasting my time. And man, I could tell stories and so could he, so I won't, neither will he. Uh, 
but just, I love this brother and his lovely wife. They have four amazing world-changing kids, two on the West Coast, two on the East Coast, and they were visiting, what, the 10th grandchild is on the way now? See, I've got one, I've got number one on the way. My Easter basket is little Henry Wade that's going to be here in September, so we're excited about little baby Henry coming, and um, so they, they, number 10's on the way for them, I think, or has just got here, and um, thankful for a brother that has walked with me all these years. And I think the importance of that is to be able to say, you know, when we have people that love us enough and care for us to confront us, we drove into the parking lot this morning and I said, guys, I hope you don't mind walking because we're going to park at the farthest corner because I'm trying to raise a culture of servants in this church. And you can't do that if you don't example that. I said, we will never have a parking place for the head bishop here. And I I laughingly said, as long as I'm the pastor here, there will never be throne chairs on the pulpit that I sit on and nobody else can sit in. I I get up out of the congregation, arise as a sheep, and come as a sheep first, and then shepherd the people, and then sit down, back down among the people. I believe that's the way it's supposed to be. Now, the reason I said all that is because even though I'm a shepherd, I still have to fight the same battles you fight. And shepherds fail because people put their shepherds on pedestals they didn't belong on in the first place. And shepherds then are in such a place of high expectation, they're afraid to get real. Now, those things that I acknowledge that I've had cross my mind, everybody in this room's had those same issues because you're human. And you're human and we determine that we're going to fully recognize what it means to be human. But now we are sanctified, spirit-filled humans that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of. I can choose to not be controlled by sinful things anymore, but I can allow and say, Holy Spirit, help me. I pulled down that thought, and I'm not going to give any more attention to that anger that can turn into murder or that lust that can turn into infidelity of all kinds or that greed that can make me steal or any other different kind of thing. Why? Because I've got a written law, a living law, the Holy Spirit living in my heart. Let me get a couple more verses. Y'all get anything out of this? Come on. When we finish here, we're done. We don't have to do 10 more minutes of anything else. So let me just grab another couple. Here we go. Number six. Let me go to this side. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Look at your neighbor and say, "I, I need me some of that. You want life and peace. You don't want death. You want life and peace in your marriage. You want life and peace in your finances. You want life and peace in your walk with God, in your health, in your business, in your vision, your destiny your training, your schooling, whatever. You want life and you want the blessing of God in your life. And there is nothing wrong with that because Jesus died that you could have life and have it more abundantly. And don't let some religious snot tell you that that's not the word of God because I'm using the B-I-B-L-E. Come on. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I should have captured that thought. But they're snotty. They're a bunch of pharisaical snots. Quote me. Number seven. I'm getting in Dennis the Menace spirit. I'm sorry. Let me finish. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. Two verses and I'm going to quit. Number eight, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. If you don't know Jesus, you can't do anything but sin because it's your nature. But when Jesus comes into your life, when you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, God's just birthed a sin fighter. You have a choice now. You didn't have a choice before. You know what? You may try to go back to the old stuff that you used to do in a moment of discouragement, but you can't enjoy it like you used to. 
It's not as fulfilling as it used to be. Come on, whatever your flavor is, whether it's pills or prescription drugs or, you, you know, you go buy you a cheap bottle of Ripple or Mad Dog 2020 or you get you some, something you can smoke or something you can inject or whatever, or you go get another sex partner or, or, or whatever it is, any number of a thousand more things that you can use as a flavor to press down the hole in your heart. The thing that can't be fulfilled until that God-shaped vacuum, Augustine, the, the black bishop from Africa, the, the African-American bishop of the 4th century that said, God has set eternity in your heart and he's got a God-shaped vacuum on the inside of you that will never be satisfied until it's filled with God himself. Verse 9, and I'm quitting. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Now, if you don't know Jesus, this isn't for you. If you know Jesus, this is the Bible. Guess what, boys and girls? You're not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. What's the condition? Let's read it out loud. Here we go. If you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So if you have Jesus alive living in you, You've got a choice. You don't have to be controlled by the sinful nature. And just because you're past upbringing, the preacher said every Sunday, well, you're a sinner and you're going to sin a little bit every day. Well, if that's your identity, you're going to live out of that identity. But if you can start to recognize that he died to make me free and I've got a choice now, you can get victory over what you, you don't have to struggle with it for the rest of your life. You can get victory over it. You can defeat that habit, that addiction. You can put that stuff behind you. You, you, you can say, no more. God, I'm sick of it. I lay my life on the altar. Bring complete restoration and liberation in my life. God, I, I cry out to you, Holy Ghost, because I'm desperate for you. And when you get in that place, guess what? He'll show up. You're not controlled by the sinful nature anymore. You've got a choice. You can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And that means life and peace. And I've got to get me some of that. Bow your hearts with me, please, this morning as we close this message. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you've never crossed the line of faith, 